up? What up, everybody? Welcome back to the Showtime Forum podcast, talking all things purple and gold. I'm your host, Chris Camello, joined as always by my esteemed co-host and Showtime Forum contributor, Mr. Chaz Pearson. What up, Chaz? What up, Laker Nation? What's good? Got another good one for all you fans of the purple and gold today. Is AD back or is that injury bug biting him yet again? Has THT given Vogel something else to think about moving forward? Is the plan what the Lakers need and enshrining a legend? The Mamba heads to Springfield. We're breaking that all down and more on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. But before we do, be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms at Showtime Forum. That's at Showtime Forum. You could also follow us on Twitter at Showtime underscore Forum. Just make sure you add that little underscore. And on our website, of course, the ShowtimeForum.com. Chaz. Chris. Dude, we are at the tail end of the regular season. Can you believe it? Two more games. I can't believe it. We made it through. I thought this se- like it was a shortened season, but I felt like at some points like this season would never would end. It was the weirdest thing. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You're playing every other day, yet it felt like it had been dragging on for like the last four months. But when you're losing and you got all these injuries and there's all these negative, uh, all this negative news, it just always feels like the season takes a little bit longer than you would like. But hey, that's life during a pandemic. That's life in the NBA in 2021. But we've pretty much made it. So the Lakers. Two games left. They are on a three-game winning streak after losing eight out of ten and really some poor performances mixed in there. A lot of injuries. Dennis Schroeder goes down. LeBron uh, re-aggravates an injury. Anthony Davis was shaken off the rust. But now it kind of seems like there's a lot of hope on the horizon. They got two days off heading into uh, the Indiana game, and it's kind of a weird finish to the season. Back-to-back road games against the Indiana Pacers, who are fighting for play-in position, uh, as well as the New Orleans Pelicans, who I think are, I don't know if they're mathematically eliminated, Chaz, but they're pretty damn close at this point. So They are mathematically eliminated. Okay, so, so I stand corrected. Yeah, no Zion Williamson. So for the second straight year, the Pelicans kind of making the Lakers look good, aren't they? Uh, By making that trade for Anthony Davis. Uh, So yeah, yeah, so we got a lot to get into. And let me just say this before we get into anything over here. It was an amazing feeling, very nostalgic to see that banner unveiling on Wednesday night before the Lakers took on the Houston Rockets. And Chaz, to me, banner unveilings are always special. I, I could remember definitely the last two uh, and how special those were and, and the different type of environment it is. And to see Jeannie bus out there talking with, I mean, how many fans would you say were there that night? Maybe 3000, 4,000. Yeah. Somewhere around there, somewhere around there. Yeah. But still it was, she followed up. I mean, she came through on her word saying, Hey, we're going to wait till we have some fans back in and we are going to unveil that banner. And I thought to do it now, considering all the struggles that the, that they've had, and all the lackluster play, it was a reminder of what this team can accomplish and the prestigious history that it has going all the way back to the 60s when they were in Minneapolis. Yeah, I mean, I just, I can't tell which one is better, right? Like, it's been it's been 11 years since we've had a parade, a Laker parade. So I don't know what's better, the ring night, banner night, or parade day like I would I want to say the parade because it, it's like all encompassing oh yeah but but banner night it just ended up working out in the Lakers favor because what happened with banner night because it was so late in the season it's the last home game of the season the pandemic actually from that perspective actually I think helped re-energize and re-motivated the Lakers because you're not able to have banner night on the first day of the, on opening night you have it on ending night, essentially. Yeah. And, as a re- and as a result, it's more fresh. As of Wednesday night, you were able to see Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma, those that have won the championship, go out and be able to touch the trophy. You, you hear some words from Anthony Davis and LeBron. You get to see the banner come down, Jeannie Buss. So it was like, it was like another celebration just to kind of re- revitalize you 
right before the playoffs to remind you what you do it for. Not to say that you ever forgot, right. but just to give you just that extra reminder, literally a, a week before you're supposed to, you know, get it going, especially if you end up making it and avoiding the plane or whether it, you are on the plane, either way, you're going to going to be in playoff mode uh, within the next week. And, and I was really glad that a lot of the new players who either came to the team before the season or after the trade deadline, I'm glad they were on the court. I know Wesley Matthews commented that he wasn't there for the, he was in the locker room praying. He was not there during the banner unveiling, but when he said it just gives him motivation and he is hungry as ever. And I'm paraphrasing of course, to go out and win one that he is actually on the team for, right? Uh, and, and be a part yeah. of, of that group. It just, that I hope that resonated with the rest of the guys who were not on the roster last year. The Gasols, the Trez, I mean, I know Gasols won one before, but the Andre Drummonds, Montrez Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, who obviously wasn't there, but I'm sure he was watching wherever he was at. I hope that re revitalized those guys and be like, hey, this is the real deal. This is what it feels like. So now you guys are getting a sneak preview of what could be, depending on what, what happens over the next few weeks. So absolutely, it was great to see Jeannie Buss speak. It was great to see LeBron speak. Disappointed LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, did not play. LeBron's still not where he needs to be with that ankle, but maybe it could just be precautionary at this point, and you don't want to risk an injury against a team like the Houston Rockets. I mean, if it were up to you, Chaz, he wouldn't be playing these next two games anyway. And now, no, yeah, no, exactly. So, I mean, there really wasn't a surprise there, at least not, not on your end. And now Anthony Davis, who was absolutely sensational uh, defensively against the New York Knicks. He was brilliant. I mean, he did as well of a job as you could on Julius Randle, who's had an MVP caliber season, but go back last Sunday night after a couple of rough losses to the Clippers and the Blazers. He led that Laker team to a big time win over the Phoenix Suns. And that to me, Chaz was his, one of his best regular season performances as a Laker. But is there a concern now that that growing injury could be something that you need to address and deal with? Yes. And that's the reason why I believe Anthony Davis won't play the final two games of the regular season. Or, or I would think that if we were smart, we wouldn't, we would sit him just to get him a few days extra rest because the groin injury is not an injury that can just be rehabbed alone. It needs rest, kind of like LeBron's ankle. Right. And just, and really quick on LeBron's ankle, I feel like if the playoffs started on Wednesday night, LeBron would have played, right? Or if the playoffs started maybe a week, like he, like he would have played. Now, how good would he have felt? That's a different question. But, because you don't need absolutely need LeBron or AD to beat the Indiana Pacers or the New Orleans Pelicans, who are both mathematically eliminated and have nothing to play for. If you can't beat a team that has nothing to play for when you have everything to play for, that kind of shows kind of where you're at mentally as a team. So it's, I think it's good to sit them both. And I think the Lakers could pull out a win in both of those games. And they would need Portland to lose or Dallas to lose at least one of their games. I'm sorry, two of their games, because the magic number for both of those teams is one. And as we are recording this now, the Suns and the Portland Trailblazers are keeping it pretty close with one another uh, as regulation is coming uh, to the end. So it's just it's a lot going on. I do like the fact that, uh, that the plan has created so much urgency and helping out with that. But getting back to AD specifically, I think that he's he's really back. Like that alley-oop that he had against the on Devin Booker and the Suns on Sunday night uh, to close the game, the alley-oop from Caruso, the reverse spinning alley-oop. And he yells to the crowd and he says, I'm back. I mean, yeah, he he's definitely back. And um, I just like the fact that him and Drummond are working well together. Uh, I like the fact that Marcus Hall is getting a lot of playing time. I like that Vogel is being able to implement Trez. Keith is just the odd man out, unfortunately, because we have such a large team. But as a result of AD being back and him being ready to play the five in certain matchups and playoff matchups coming soon, I just love the fact that he looks good. He's gotten just enough time to, to get a rhythm back. If Like if AD was in LeBron's position waiting until the last two games to, to come back, I'd be very worried because AD is the type of player, as we clearly saw over the course of the last month, really, Right. 80 has been back for just about a month. Yeah. And 
and we're just now saying and asking the question seriously if he's back. So if AD was in LeBron's position right now and and, and not playing right before the playoffs, I, I have a lot more worry. But you just come to learn over the last 18 years not to bet against LeBron James and what he does and how he keeps his body in check and ready to go. So I'm not worried in the least bit for this team and just happy to see Anthony Davis getting little plays like, you know, getting to a spot on the right elbow or setting double picks and jumping between two, three people for a rebound, diving on the floor for loose balls. That lets me know that he's not tentative at all. And the adductor strain that he has and maybe the groin pull that he has is just as a result of him just going full bore and, you know, getting himself back into not shape, but basketball shape, right? right? Like, like game action shape, conditioning shape. So right. I'm happy to see it. Yeah. And I'll tell you, we it kind of started. I know they lost. That was a tough loss last Friday night at the hands of the Portland Trailblazers. And Portland, by the way, they, they may pull out this game in Phoenix. And, and they've won nine out of 10. And they're fully healthy. So to go into that hostile environment, well, as hostile as it could be in a pandemic, and having to go up against that dynamic backcourt, good collection of role players, a team that always seems to play the Lakers tough, even though the Lakers took care of them in five games. We saw the writing on the wall with Anthony Davis, like in that game, like there was a lot to like in that game. I mean, a couple things go differently. That dunk that pops out, it should have been an and one and said he got neither. They not yeah. only uh, no basket plus no foul. Then Kuz's offensive interference or that shouldn't have been an offensive interference. Those were 10 point swings there, Chaz. That's oh, how you man. lose the ball game. That that three that Kuz missed was so huge. I was just right. like, man. No, but I'm saying by that point, I think the game was kind of done. I think Portland yeah, still yeah. would have the, the most still would have found a way to win that game. The, in my the most the most egregious one was the AD offensive huh. interference. That was the like no, the no, Kuz no, one was, was egregious was, too. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. But AD's like dunk that pretty much went through, but was called right. offensive interference. And no foul. He, and he's even saying, where's my foul? I mean, okay, no don't foul, count the dunk, like, but we're like, why am I not at the line? But but my point is, given all the pieces you were missing, all the things that went wrong, AD also missed five free throws. That I thought was a turning point. And I'm like, hmm, Anthony Davis looked really good in this game. And granted, Portland doesn't yeah. have many guys that they can match up with them. You got Covington and you got Mello and you got Nurkic and that's pretty much it. You know, cancer is not a very good defender. So... I thought, I'm like, I hope they could build on this. And then, of course, you go into Phoenix, no Kyle Kuzma. And they went wire to wire on the Phoenix Suns. I don't know if Phoenix is just starting to look ahead or if they're starting to wear down a little bit. I'm not too sure what the situation is. They haven't looked as sharp the last couple of weeks. Uh, and, and the Lakers, you could tell they wanted that game. And Anthony Davis came to play. He butchered that Phoenix Suns front line. DeAndre Ayton, get out of my way. Jay Crowder, get out of my way. Frank Couldn't the Tank, get nothing. Yeah, Frank the Tank, get out of my way. He led the Lakers to that win, and he did it with both on both ends of the floor. And when you see AD play with that sort of passion and energy, because he's such a soft-spoken guy sometimes, when he gets mad and he gets into it, and he's pounding his chest saying, I'm back after the Phoenix win, or he's putting his ear up to Spike Lee, taunting him after the Lakers overtime win. That was great. That was awesome, that was but see, that's when Anthony Davis is at his best, when he's got some sand in his craw, as Ethan Hawke would say from the Magnificent, uh, in the Magnificent Seven, you got to hate what you're shooting at, and that's what I feel like AD is at his best. He's got to hate the opponent. He's got to hate uh, who he's going up against. He's got to have this get-out-of-my-way type mentality. It's when he's at his best, and now and, – and, in addition to the mentality, you could also tell now the body is also starting to respond to the pounding and the worries about getting re-injured are going less and less because he's going harder. He's diving on the floor for loose balls. He's contesting shooters. He's he's drawing the tough defensive matchups. I mean, the def we saw both ends of the spectrum, Chaz. The offense against the Phoenix Suns and some of the defense too, but the defense in the clutch moments against Julius Randle, and that's when I, I said to myself, this guy is now ready for the playoffs. And more yeah. importantly, he's actually starting to look and I'm sure feel healthy. So it when was just amazing to see. It really took me until I know he had that dunk over Devin Booker to close out the Phoenix game when he said he was back. But really, when I felt, I was like, okay, 80s really back was when I saw him shut down Julius Randle on that final possession. Oh, before the, Was that before not the, cool like, or what? Oh, it was so, great. Sorry to interrupt, but I mean, that was just no, an was, awesome play. Completely took took him out. Julius had him on an island from 
the entire right-hand side of the floor right in front of the Lakers bench. And Anthony Davis completely shut him down from the right wing all the way down to the right block, down to the right corner, back down to the right elbow to, if, to force Julius to pass it. And it was great. So I just love the fact that he he's getting healthy. He's getting his legs under him right at the right time. Uh, really, we need 16 wins, 17 yeah. wins, yeah. 17 wins assuming we, we we go to the plan and don't have to lose to the Warriors who are pro, pretty much locked into the eighth seed currently. So you'll likely get Lakers-Warriors uh, on either Tuesday or Wednesday night of next Man. week. Well, we're going to get to the playing situation in a short while. But, yeah, it's great to see Anthony Davis come back and, and really play hard and well. And those were a couple of really impressive wins because New York is – they're, they're playing like a top four seed in the Eastern Conference because, well, let's be honest, they are sort of – I know they're kind of battling right now. I know Miami has really made a, a resurgence of late. You've got Atlanta still in the mix. So, I mean, there's a lot of things still to, to measure uh, but with the New York Knicks, but that is still a very tough team, very well coached, locked in on the defensive end of the floor. So, But, yes, AD really came to play in both of those games, and he talked about it the – era of desperation and urgency needed to be up. And we've seen that with the Lakers and Anthony Davis couldn't have helped the Lakers win those games by himself. He needed a go-to guy. And with no Dennis Schroeder, no Alex Caruso sits out in the second half, obviously LeBron uh, still on the shelf. Taylor Horton Tucker came to play. It's been a roller coaster season for the kid. We've seen a lot of high moments. We've seen some low moments, but man, that kid answered the call in that New York game. Some big-time threes in overtime against Derrick Rose. Yeah, he had some turnovers, but his ability, Chaz, to recover from that and say, hey, I made a mistake. Maybe I did. Maybe I did it. it, it let's focus on the next play. And to, to be that young, 20 years old, one of the youngest players in the league, and to have that sort of maturity and toughness and mental flexibility, I guess you could call it, especially in a key moment in a big game just goes to show you how special this kid is. And, and I looked at what I wrote has CHG given Vogel something else to think about. I feel like we're going right back to where we were at in the beginning of the season is how is this kid going to factor into a team that on paper is so deep with so many guys that can contribute. So it's really just going to come down to matchups, I think. And we'll talk a little bit more about these matchups, but I just think that it, it's going to come down to if Schroeder is in foul trouble, if Caruso is in foul trouble, if KCP isn't having a good night and shooting isn't shooting the ball well, right? all of that. But I think he's in the playoff rotation. He's going to be a player that's going to get minutes. How many minutes? Not as many, obviously, as he had in the last few games against New York as well as uh, Houston. Right. But – He's going to make key plays. He's going to make key shots. Um, you're going to need all of the contributions that you can. When, you win, when you're winning a championship, you need the stars. But like Shaq always says, you always need the others. And THT right now is an other who is has the potential of being one of the guys. I think eventually he will be one of the, the guys because he moves so effortlessly and, and in such a good flow on the, on the, on the court. Yeah. Um, once, once he's able to like control pace mm -hmm. and really not be able to look like he's going a hundred miles an hour all the time, trying to get to certain spots and just kind of going too fast for his body. Right. I was listening to uh, John Ireland talk about this on Mason Ireland. And he's like, Kobe used to do that. It's kind of like, where are you going? THT? Like, we're like, you're kind of looking at him and he always seems to get himself into like um, off the pick and roll get himself into a position to where he always has to like pivot two, three, four times in the yeah. lane before yeah. making a, either a shot or jumping to pass. Getting once too he, cute. I once call he can get himself cute. to certain spots on the floor. Yeah. W once he can start is able to get himself to spots on the floor without doing that, he'll just be that much more fluid as a player and, and look that much smoother on the court. But I just think that he's going to be a key uh, contributor in this playoff rotation. I think he'll average anywhere between 10 to 15 minutes per game and average anywhere between six to 10 points a game. He's going to be a key contributor. Now what he does with those minutes and who he's on the floor with at that time is primarily going to be, depend on matchups and where we are in the flow of the game. But 
there's no way that he's not going to be a part of the rotation when he's been a player the entire year for Vogel as Alex Caruso has been, as Dennis Schroeder has been, as Markeith Morris has been, and even resurgently Wesley Matthews has been as well. So Mm. I think key guys are going to get key minutes and THT is going to be one of them. Yeah. And there's a couple of things I wanted to point out when people are criticizing this kid, well, he shouldn't have been making those mistakes. And I even said it too, you know, getting the ball poked out from behind, not being able to switch hands, not knowing where Derek Rose was against you or make it a bad pass or bad shot, bad decision. This is a kid who's now got to be the primary ball handler. And he didn't expect to be the primary anything this season. When you really think about it on a team that has LeBron James, one of the all-time great point guards playmaking wings or whatever you want to call him Dennis Schroeder a six-man runner-up great ball handler a guy who could attack and finish and uh, collapse the defense and of course even a guy like Alex Caruso who isn't that much better than THT as far as ball handling or playmaking but still has got more years of experience doing it and he's already a proven champion because he did it at a high level but still he's thrusted into this situation so there are going to be mistakes Myself included, we all have to cut him a break. So I was, but the one thing that you cannot teach, you could teach somebody how to clean some things up and work on their vision and try to get them to see certain things. It may take a couple of years, but eventually they'll get there. You could teach someone to improve their jump shot. What you can't teach is mental toughness and a short memory because just for a guy who didn't play much basketball, he's got that. Yeah, a short memory was very difficult for me. I'd miss a couple shots. It's now in my head. For a lot of young players, you miss a few shots, you make a few bad mistakes. Believe me, you're hanging your head, you're shaking your head, you're you're saying F to yourself, you're pointing to yourself, to your teammates. Hey, that's on me. He doesn't do that. Not very often anyway. And if he does, it's a quick conversation, then bam, back to the action, man. We, we, we still got a ball game to win here. We still have another possession to play. So let me give me a chance to redeem myself. And guess what he did that night against a very tough, very defensive-minded, very well-coached New York Knicks team with arguably one of the great scoring guards over the last 10, 15 years in Derrick Rose. He was able to respond in a big way and led the Lakers uh, to that win. So obviously he didn't do it alone. You mentioned Wesley Matthews. Matthews was huge in that game. Both ends of the floor defensively yeah. sent the game to overtime, which ultimately set the stage for THT. Huge put back. Yeah. So both of these guys now are really giving Frank Vogel a lot to think about as far as rotation minutes, because what they've shown in these last few games is one, they're able to take advantage of an opportunity. And two, they do not fear the moment and they do have a short memory and they are capable of making big plays. Matthews with his three point shooting and his defense and THT with basically the same thing, plus his ability to attack and finish. So you saw both of these guys, Matthews and THT have such significant roles in these last two wins. Now that Rockets game should never have gotten to that point. I was very upset. I was even saying Chaz, they deserve to lose that game, how poorly they played defensively, especially down the stretch. But Matthews comes up with a big deflection, THC diving on the loose ball, making a big play. The previous game, making a big three. Matthews, the big putback. So Lakers don't win those two games without those two guys' contributions. And that's why Vogel and his staff are going to be talking about them and how we best utilize them moving forward. Yeah, it's the Lakers are so deep. We were, we were having a discussion uh, with our showtime forum members and we were just kind of talking about like our the death right like what's our what's our rotation going to look like obviously it's going to be uh as starters you're going to get lebron ad drummond schroeder assuming he comes back and and i would guess kcp um in that starting lineup and then you know on the coming off the bench you would have caruso kuz trez tht yeah and marcus all don't get him <laughs> yeah and, and then and then mark this all as well and then the odd man out would be and then, then your, your your others after those 10 would be west matthews markeith morris yeah. and uh ben malcolmore right <laughs> and then at that yeah. point you, <laughs> and and these are all and these are all guys that are going to find some minutes at some point so you're right. you're 13 deep legit for the playoffs with guys that Start, can contribute yeah that are and that are used to contributing all season long because AD and LeBron have been out. Right. So they exactly. know they have they have some kind of rhythm somewhere because 
they've all contributed at some po- different points of the season. Exactly. And and I think that's been the all was not run. lost with LeBron and AD being out. No, exactly. And I think even though we look at it from the wins and loss perspective, I think that's an excellent point. All of these guys were able to sharpen their skills in some aspect, play in a variety of different games, whether it be blowouts when you're blowing the team out, even though there haven't been many lately or getting blown out and seeing what went wrong and also playing in these close games because these games against the Suns, the Knicks, and even against the Rockets, even though the Rockets are lottery bound, it was still a playoff type atmosphere. You're going to find yourselves in situations like this. And how are you going to respond? So shout out to the coaching staff for really doing a good job, putting these guys in a position to experience it, not always be successful, but at least experience it and see what do we have here with uh, Matthews and THT and Keith and all of these other guys. But uh, you know, you talk about a 13 deep rotation. I just don't think that's plausible. I think at most you're going to have nine guys consistently playing, but it's going to be matchup based. And I think it's going to be production based as well. And, and situational too, Chaz, because you also have to look at if you're down 10 in the fourth quarter, you want to see a guy like Ben McLemore out there, because especially if the shooters are struggling, if Matthews and KCP and Kuzma and all of these guys are shoot, are struggling to make shots, you're going to be like, Hey, Ben, I'm going to throw you out there the first, you know, three, four minutes of the fourth quarter. Let's see if you can get rolling. You know what I mean? Hey, we're getting crushed in the Yeah, paint. I mean, that's. Yeah, we're getting crushed in the paint or we need playmaking or something like that. Hey, Gasol. Hey, Trez. Hey, Drummond. You know what I mean? You're going to see different situations within the game that may call for that. And we'll see if these guys are, are going to be able to stay sharp and, and make an immediate impact. I think that's the biggest thing right there. Can they hit the ground running? depending on the situation of the game. Yeah, I just think that Vogel has 13 tools in his bag where other coaches may have only eight or nine. And sometimes in the playoffs, with the game being a game of inches and a game of just one or two possessions, those possessions add up over over time. And the guy who has you know, the most tools and the most options and utilizes those options as best as possible is usually the one that comes out on top. And Vogel was clearly the best coach in the bubble last month, or I'm sorry, last year. Mm-hmm. Although he did have LeBron in AD, the way that he structured his lineups and what he was able to go to and collaborate with Phil Handy and Lionel Hollins, even though he wasn't in the bubble, um, and Jason Kidd as well, what they were able to put together, mm-hmm. you know, was just, was great. Obviously you had AD playing out of his mind and, and LeBron just being, you know, the greatest player of all time, almost just about. Um, but it still takes a good coach to be able to finagle a roster and put it together um, and put the lineups together the way that he did. So shout out Rob Palenka for going out and getting their groceries and shout out to Vogel for cook, cooking up a great meal and shout out to the players for, for serving it to everybody else. So I love it. And I just think that the playoffs are, I just can't believe it's playoff time, man. I know. It's crazy, like it's, man. it's play. We are like for 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 us as Laker fans to to not have the playoffs happen for what was it from 2013 to 2020, so seven years. Yeah, right. And seven long years to go from uh-huh. not having the playoffs at all to seven very long years as well. Yeah, to go to not having playoffs to to now going through the bubble and then getting such a quick turnaround and, and being right back in the playoffs again with our team, you know, finally being healthy. Because guess what? Even Jared Dudley is coming back this weekend, according ah, to Cal Kuzma. Look out, Pacers. Look out, NBA. Duds is back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, I mean, uh, we're, we here, man. Yeah, we, we here. And speaking of here, it's more than likely they will be in the play-in situation. And, and, and Chaz, we, we've talked about this. And even LeBron thought somebody deserves to be fired over it. We know Golden State doesn't like it. We know Dallas doesn't like it. Uh, but at this point, it is what it is. You're only saying that now because you guys are all in it. Well, I mean, Dallas isn't anymore, but uh, Golden State and the Lakers are in it, and they're going to be playing more than likely each other. Now, the Lakers have taken two out of three from the Warriors uh, during the regular season, two blowout wins, by the way, and one game that should have been a blowout, but the Lakers coughed it up on MLK Day to the Warriors. And uh, 
this is a very interesting team, Golden State, because there have been nights where they've looked completely lost. Like they've gotten their brains beat in by 30 points, including by the Lakers, of course. And then there are the, the nights where they could take down any opponent at any time. Steph has had an MVP caliber season. Andrew Wiggins has looked really good. Draymond is Draymond. He's had some magnificent uh, stretches. But this is obviously not the same team that you saw even two years ago that went to the NBA Finals and lost to the Toronto Raptors. There's no Klay Thompson. Durant is now in Brooklyn. Iguodala's gone. A lot of guys that were a, a major part of that team, Sean Livingston, they're all gone. So the thing is, is a lot of people are saying, well, if Steph gets going and whatnot, I still don't think Golden State can take a fully healthy Lakers squad down. I just don't think they have enough components. They don't really have many guys that can match up with LeBron James. If Draymond gets into foul trouble, that changes the, the dynamic. The Lakers have too much size, too much experience, too much depth. I think they should be able to take down Golden State. However, there's still that element of if Steph gets rolling, do the Lakers have enough to, to keep him in check? Can they shut Steph down for one game? and keep them to below 30 points or below 40 points. Yeah, they definitely they definitely can. Let me just remind everybody the Golden State Warriors this this year is the same are the same team is the same team, excuse me, that was down by 50 points or lost by 50 points or was down by 60 points at one time and lost by 52 to Something the Toronto like, Raptors. Oh, that's right. The, yes, yeah. The, the Golden State Warriors have had some of the worst losses this season than probably any one team has had in one season in the last 25 years. We're talking losses by 40, 50, down by 35 at halftime, mm -hmm. being down by 60 at one point, right? I think, I think they were down 102 to 55 at one point in that Toronto okay. Raptors game. So yeah. just – you know, for, for as great as depth is, is, is as bad as the depth is for the Golden State Warriors without having Wiseman, without having Clay, um, having That's to right. lean on guys like Nick Nicholas, Scano Anderson, you know, as Nico well as Mannion. Jordan Poole. Yeah. Nico Mannion. I mean, look, I'm I'm not surprised if the Lakers blow them out by 30, right? Right. Because you you blitz you blitz Steph Curry and you make everybody else beat you and in the playoffs, you know, like I know this is the play-in, but this is a playoff game, right. right? And in LA, I just, I just don't see it happening. So, um, even at the worst, even if the Lakers lose that one, that one game, they would have to lose two more times um, to not make the playoffs, which I don't see happening against Memphis and or San Antonio. And just a little bit of breaking news. I'm, I'm going to break some news. You guys probably will find out. Um, and already know, but, but dun, while we're dun, recording dun, this, uh, Phoenix, Phoenix actually beat Portland. And now if the Lakers beat Indiana on Saturday and beat New Orleans on Sunday and Portland loses to Denver in Portland, by the way, then the Lakers will get the sixth seed, avoid the play in tournament and more than likely have to face the Clippers in the first round. Uh, see, that's the whole situation. That's why I say. Is the play-in what the Lakers need? From a, ver a variety of different ways you could look at it. One, it could be a momentum changer. Because now you, you could look at it and say, well, they could use the rest and get the practice time in. Yeah, but also too, and I'm looking at it from a baseball perspective, we've seen wild card teams win that one game and it propels them for a deep run in October. And I'm thinking it could have the same effect in basketball where it's like now you have all this momentum going up against a team that's going to be sitting around rusty. It's going to take them a while to get going, but now you have all the momentum on your side, right? Second, your reward for getting out of the playing situation is the Clippers in the first round. And we all agree the Clippers who defeated the Charlotte Hornets tonight, they've won two in a row after losing four out of six. Uh, they, they, we all know they, match up pretty well with the Lakers. Now the Lakers avoided them last year, but Kawhi and Paul George are a tough matchup for anybody because of their size and their skill at the wing position. And the Lakers, even though they are a good defensive team, they just don't have the personnel. I don't think individually. 
to match up with those two guys. KCP is a really good defender, but not tall enough. Wesley Matthews, same issue. Schroeder, same situation. Uh, you know, really, it's going to have to come down to LeBron and Anthony Davis having to guard one, if not both of those guys at some point in time. So my thing is this. If you could win out the play-in, take the seven seed, and take on a team like Phoenix, I like those chances. Because even though the Phoenix Suns have also beaten the Lakers twice, they don't have many guys that can match up with Anthony Davis. They've got a few more that can match up with LeBron, Bridges, Crowder, a healthy Cam Johnson. Uh, but still, you're not... Bridges. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. You have bodies. You have six fouls at least, right? You have six fouls. You have 18 fouls you could throw at LeBron James. And we know he's not a great free throw shooter. So my point being is, given their lack of experience, given the fact that most of their best players are guards, smaller players, that would be a more favorable first round matchup if the Lakers were to take care of business in the play-in than taking on the, the, the Clippers in a three, six matchup. That's all I'm saying. There's some, something to keep in yeah. mind. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, I actually just tweeted out, you know, screw the six seed. Like at this point, like if, if the six seed is going to get us, get us the Clippers in the first round, I don't want it. I want no parts of the Clippers until we absolutely have to face them. Right. I, in fact, I, in fact, would argue, I would go as far as to say, if the, if the Clippers end up as a three seed, tank the game against the Warriors and beat Memphis or San Antonio to get yourself on the other side of the bracket so that way you don't have to face the Clippers until the Western Conference Finals. That's what I, like, that's the true, the true so get cynicism. Get out of their bracket. Me. So you're saying get out of that bracket get, altogether. Because, because the three, six is going to play the two, seven winner in the second round. So if the, if the Clippers end up in that three, six matchup and the Lakers can get the eight seed and face Utah and then face uh, the winner of the four five matchup, which would be uh, Denver Portland. and Portland. De- yeah. De- De- Denver and Portland. Yeah. That way. I, yeah. That way you completely avoid the Clippers until the Western Conference Finals. Maybe. But you don't want to you don't want to play around with that play. And so I get why you don't want to do that. But there's no way Memphis or San Antonio is beating the the Lakers two out of three times, especially in Staples Center. And sometimes, you know, Chaz, when you try to get too cute and try to avoid certain things, that's usually when disaster strikes. So at at this point where the chips fall is where they fall. Because if you are healthy and you are playing good basketball, it won't matter the opponent. But yeah, if you could avoid certain matchups, like I'm sure Phoenix is really hoping that, I mean, I think at this point, if you're Phoenix, would you even consider sliding down to number three, knowing that the Lakers are going to be in the playing situation? No. So like, I'm just saying, yeah, same, same, same thing. Like you said, you just don't, you never want to play with the basketball guys. So you, you go out every day, you play as hard as you can. You, you win the games you can, you co- control what you can control and let the chips fall where they may. So yeah. don't ever, don't ever cheat the game. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, you know, Dennis Schroeder, by the way, he put out the, uh, the Instagram post. So whatever he's COVID, back, he's back. Yeah. So clearly whatever COVID related issues he had, and I'm sure we'll, we'll learn more about it moving forward. I mean, assuming he wants to talk about it, uh, he will be back, which is Chaz. If you remember, this is what I said. I said at 14 days from now would be May 15th. My birthday, by the way, your boy's going to be 30, 31. Looking good at 31. Looking good. At 30. Okay. I got, I got nothing. Happy early birthday, my dog. Thanks man. Kind of an awkward number, but Hey, you know, it's good. It's good. Hey, I turned 31 this year. Yeah. There you go, man. So um, you got shooter coming back around May 15th. And I even said, that'd be perfect. Get him a couple of games, shake off the rust, see how his conditioning is. I mean, I'm not going to expect a lot from shooter given the fact that he probably hasn't been able to do much working out over the last two weeks. So, um, but still, it's going to be good to have him back. Hopefully you get Caruso back. We'll see about AD and LeBron for these final two games. And here's my thing. If you could shake off the rust in these final couple of games, if you're LeBron and Schroeder and these other guys, uh, you know, even Anthony Davis, if you could try to get yourself back into, I mean, not maybe not back back, but at least to the point where you're feeling better, then I think that's a positive before you get into this playing situation, which starts on May 18th. So a lot of different ways you could look at this, this playing situation. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I think ultimately it is a good thing for a team that 
hasn't been able to get much traction lately. This could be an ultimate test for them to also get that cohesion together, test their, their mental fortitude and test their chemistry, I think in a lot of ways. So it's risky, but I think for a team as talented as the Lakers, they'll, they'll find a way to make it work. Hopefully what's, <laughs> what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I'll leave you with that. Well said, man. Well said. I mean, kind of taking the air out of, you know, what I was trying to say, but it's all good. It's all good. I, I no, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying like, like that's like, that's like, it's good for, it's good for one person. So it's good for all of us, meaning that it's going to be good for LeBron to be able to get the, the extra reps. And I just think that that's going to give us the extra continuity that we need just a little bit. Yeah. Right? It's kind of like a, Kind of, kind of think of it as like a preseason playoff game. Like, yeah, it's gonna have a weird like it means like that. means a lot, right? It means it, it it means a whole lot, but it's not a seven game series, so it's just like a it's like a tune up real quick, kind of like a I don't know, just like kinda, a one like game exhibit. Like, it's not an exhibition though, because if you lose it, then you got to. I was going to say kind of like that wild card series in a way it's a, it's a hybrid of the wild card game and the wild card series that baseball. Kind yeah. Of against the Padres. Yeah. Against no, no, against I'm sorry. the Padres against, last against, year. Oh, I was going to say actually against the Brewers, but yeah, I, I think it's closer. To no, the- no, you're right. No, 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 no. It was, it, it, it was the Brewers against that the Brewers. Too, and, we, yeah. and we beat them. Yeah. We beat them just that, that first two games and didn't, didn't even need a third game. Like, right, just- right. And, and I don't like the series aspect. I would much rather them just do like, Hey, listen, Seven plays 10, eight plays nine. If seven, the winner of seven, 10 gets the seven seed, the winner of eight, nine gets the eight seed one and done. That's it. I would prefer it that way, but Hey, what the heck do I know? Adam silver and his people, this is what they do. They come up with ideas to uh, put less emphasis on tanking to get more TV, more radio, more everything more streams, all of that stuff. So you're trying to sell a product here and you're trying to get creative with these, with these playoffs and change things up. I get it. But at the same point in time, I do think they've made this a little bit more complicated than it has to be. Just my opinion. Like I said, the, c- clarify, clarify this before we move on to our last topic. I know the seven, eight game and the nine versus 10 game are just one game, you know, matchups. Right. But is the, loser of the seven eight and winner of the nine ten that matchup is that best two out of three or is that just one game as well because i'm hearing mixed yeah i see on once that. again i'm still not 100 percent clear on that so it may it should just be one game right so why why would you incentivize losing and saying oh yeah by the way the same terms well, if you win the game uh, happens when you lose like that doesn't make any sense to me well just because they did the same thing last year. You had to win two out of three. Like the, the higher seed only had to win one game and the lower seed had to win two to like really earn the playoff spot. But I re- I think it's, I'm leaning towards one game. I do know that the seven, eight, ver- seven versus eight game and nine versus 10 game in both conferences are going to be one game. And if you just look at the time, they say that the, the playoffs start on the 22nd. So you only have the 18th through the 21st to actually play. So you have four game, four days. So you would think seven plays eight, nine plays 10. You do Western Conference one day, Eastern Conference the other day. Or maybe, you know, maybe you do Eastern Conference, Western Conference in the same day on both the both first days. And then Thursday, Friday, you do, you know, same thing, but just one game a piece instead of two games a piece. It's wow. kind of what I'm thinking, but they haven't come out with a schedule. I mean, as of six hours ago the lakers didn't know what time they were playing on saturday and sunday true so yeah exactly they're, they're scheduling they're, they're scheduling games and, and putting stuff together kind of i don't want to say herky jerky in last minute i would but, say hodgepodge I, mean, I think hodgepodge frankly, is, is is a good accurate uh adjective to to describe this it's hodgepodge i'll it's... I'll, I'll take it <laughs> yeah exactly so lakers it. are playing 10 a.m on saturday so i mean it's an it's an early game against the indiana pacers and what the, what's good about that is that it sets you up for the rest of your day because it's also going to be Hall of Fame induction weekend for the 2020 inductees. And we know at this point, it's, of course, the big ticket, Kevin Garnett, who started the trend of high school players in the 90s, declaring for the for the NBA draft uh, after 
getting their diplomas and foregoing college. Tim Duncan, arguably the greatest power forward of all time, uh, led the Spurs to five championships, was part of an era that is the definition of sustained success. And of course, the legend himself, with the one gone way too soon, the Black Mamba, on the Mount Rushmore of Laker greats, the amazing, the incomparable, five-time champion, 18-time All-Star Kobe Bryant. I mean, those are just a few of his wonderful accolades uh, as a member of the Purple and Gold. And I think the one thing that I'm always impressed with, 20 years with one organization, that is just incredible. So it's going to be a tough weekend, Chaz, but uh, now Kobe gets to head to Springfield, immortalized forever. Michael Jordan will be inducting him. Vanessa Bryant, his lovely wife, will be speaking on his behalf. What, What, I mean... I, I guess this is kind of a silly question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What can we expect? Um, is it going to be sad? Is it going to be happy? What should it be? What do you think it will be? I believe it'll be the same. Well, look, here's the thing. For me, it's going to be the same emotions that I felt the day of his uh, memorial at Staples Center. Michael Jordan's going to cry. Vanessa's not going to cry. She's going to be strong. She's going to hold it together. She's, she's going to say what she through. needs to say. Yeah. She's going to push through just like she did at the memorial. She's going to tell like a funny story. You know, she's going to, you know, kind of, you know, give us the real and then give us a, uh, you know, the, that those heartfelt memories as well. Jordan is, is going to, he's already, I think he did an interview um, and gave a few quotes through Jackie McMullen. Mm-hmm. talking about how you know showing the last text mm. that he gave uh that kobe sent him and kobe was on the bench and he's like hey he called and this is kind of news to me right he he said hey coach right and he called he's calling michael jordan coach right so like just to show you the level of respect that he has for him as even as the black mamba who's won five championships 18-time all-star everything that he did, he still looked up to Michael Jordan enough to text him and say, Hey coach, comma, we're, we're blowing this team out 45 to eight right now. Like that was the last text that he sent to Michael Jordan. And he would talk about his daughter's team and, um, you know, and Michael Jordan had all kinds of memories. So for Michael Jordan to, to even be as private as he is and to, to bring back the curtain a little bit, to even share that with Jackie to, to disseminate out to us is just, is great. So I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe even some of those other small anecdotes that um, his airness has for us in regards to Kobe. Um, I can't wait to look at the highlights, right. Just to see highlights of them and their interactions on and off the court for that matter. And uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to just the overall celebration um, of the hall of fame, because this right. class is it's probably special. one of the better classes that, that we've seen like this is our generation, mm-hmm. Chris. Like yeah. anybody that's of the age of like twenty-five to forty, like this is your generation of, of of players. This is Kevin Garnett, you know. This is Kobe Bryant. This is Tim Duncan. Um, all going in on the same day, and guys that completely revitalized the league. Guys that carried the league after Jordan. Yeah. Right. Like the, the the main guys that you would throw in there after other than these three are already in the Hall of Fame. And that's Shaquille O'Neal and Allen Iverson um, and then anybody else you could throw in as well from. Yeah. T-Mac Vince Carter. To, yeah. To Vince Carter. Carter eventually we'll, know, we'll get Ray, in. Ray Allen. Yeah. You know, Pierce. Paul Pierce. Pierce. Yeah. You know, guys of that generation. But we're, if we're talking the top guys that really carried it through A.I., Shaq, Kobe, uh, the ticket. KG and Tim Duncan, and it'll be a beautiful sight to see them all go in. I would, I would assume that Kobe's will be last because you can't, who's going to follow that. So I would assume Kobe's going to be last. And um, I would, I would assume that there's also not going to be a dry eye uh, for the length of time that Michael Jordan and Vanessa Bryan are speaking. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. And the, the one thing I think about is how KG and, and Duncan are also going to be feeling that day as well, because they had a special connection with Kobe Bryant. I, I don't know if Kobe and Duncan were actually friends, but they were foes. And that 
also, as we've seen with Magic and Bird, maybe it wasn't at that level, but still it's sometimes your foes become like there. You always have a, a special place in your heart for that guy, even though you went to battle with him year in and year out, which Kobe and Duncan did for a long time, 99, 01, 02, 03, 04. Uh, 20, 2013. So they, they saw each other quite a bit throughout their illustrious careers and even just the regular season meetings. So, but him and Garnett, Kobe and Garnett were actually friends. They liked each other. They were, I mean, Kevin Garnett, people don't realize how close he was to becoming a Laker back in that summer of 07 when Kobe was wanted out of LA and he was looking at the organization, Hey, do whatever you can to get this guy out of Minnesota and over here to LA, by the way, he still has a house in Malibu at one point in time. And of course we know what happened. Garnett went to Boston. They ended up facing off twice in the finals and, and they got each other one, one of those times, but I'm sure it's going to be a tough feeling for them that day, knowing all of those memories and, and even the off the court react, you know, uh, actions and, and the, the Olympic teams that they may have played together, the all-star teams, all the great moments. And then knowing like, Hey, this guy along with us, was a big part of the league in the 2000s. And like you said, kind of carried on that torch after Michael retired. So it's going to be emotional. I think it's going to be happy. I think it's going to be proud, you know, proud. Um, it's going to, you're going to see that full range of emotions and just not seeing those three up there sharing a stage and just looking at one another with, you know, the pride and the smiles and the memories and the jokes. It's just kind of feels like it, it, it's going to be a little bit empty as well. So I, I'm not really sure what else to say, man, but it's going to be a hard, it, it's going to definitely be a, a hard day. And, but I think also too, we've got to focus, like you said, I think that's a great point. We got to focus on the positives because all three of them meant so much to this league. You can't tell the story of the NBA without telling the story of these three among the others, of course, that are going to be inducted. But those three are the ones that people are going to be tuning in most to, to watch and, and hear what their former teammates and, and the people closest to them had have to say about who they were, not just as players, but as people as well. Last thing I'll say on it is in great points, by the way, Chris, last thing I'll say is I just can't believe that he's not here to experience this day as hard as he's worked because yes he played for championships but he played to get his name in the in the rafters in staples center or in the forum right. so he thought he didn't think it was going to be staples center he thought it was going to be the forum eventually staples center came like he played to be in the hall of fame he played to be the greatest not of a generation but of all time and he came damn near close yeah. Like in my eyes, he's in my eyes, he's the greatest of all time. There's nobody that could tell me anything otherwise. And I have a and guess what? My guy did just enough work for me to have a strong leg to stand on <laughs> to where you can't refute what I'm saying. You could you could disagree, right. but you can't refute what I'm saying. And that's and, th and that's what I'm most proud of him about. And I just can't believe he's not going to be here. Like that's going to that's going to hit me hard, man. It's going to hit me hard to realize that, you know, like when they pull off his uh his his bus right like when they show his bus and, and that that goes into the hall like that like man I, I think i might break down a little bit because like for him to for me to know how hard he worked right and i only know this because he shared it with us every single chance he got right, right? he yeah. never minced any words when he told you what his goals were my goal isn't just to you know, score points or win awards It's to win championships and be known as one of the greatest of all time mm -hmm. and to be able to pretty much accomplish that. And for your coronation and enshrinement to, to come and for you not be here is just it's absolutely heart wrenching, but it's a celebration because we all knew it was coming. It was a foregone conclusion probably before he even won his fourth or fifth championship, to be honest with you. But he just always tagged on. He never stopped working. He never cheated the game. Mm. And he gave a whole new generation a completely different mentality, the Mamba mentality, that not only our generation, but many generations are going to live, live off of and live based on because we're never going to let it, let it die. This jersey, his jersey sits right across my yeah. chair. 
you know, like I, if there, if there's any, and, and he's on your hat right now, for those of you that, that can't and I wear see, this hat and right? I wear this hat as a reminder of what you can do when you put your mind to it and you make sacrifices and you work hard. And that's why I wear this hat. It's, it's, it's a constant reminder, not just of Kobe, but of everything he symbolized the Mamba mentality was a real thing. And I just want to say this too, how fitting is it that Michael Jordan is going to be inducting him, right? Obviously, Vanessa's speaking on his behalf because there was nobody closer to him, especially in the latter part of his career, maybe outside of his, of his daughters, his four daughters. But he built on what Michael had started. And in Michael's eyes, it's he's carrying my legacy for me. He, you know, yeah, people want to say Kobe or Michael or LeBron and Michael. And, and it's always like the fact that he was our generation's Michael Jordan. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a better compliment you can pay to somebody than to model your game after him and not just style wise or production wise, but everything that Michael stood for as a player and you, you do everything you can to win ball games night in and night out. You do everything you can to play in ball games night in and night out was everything that Kobe was. And I think that is the best compliment anyone could pay the arguably the greatest of all time in Michael Jordan. And I think that that's why he's inducting it because he sees like this dude was not just my little brother, but he helped, he helped continue to build on the legacy that I, I made the marks that I made in this league. He added to them in the, in a similar fashion as me in all different facets. It was always very similar, maybe not exactly the same, but similar. And that is the, the ultimate compliment. And I'm so glad because you could have had Shaq, you could have Phil, you could have Powell, Derek Fisher, you know, take your pick. You could add a high school coach. Uh, I, I mean, the list goes on and on for people that could have inducted Kobe Bryant because he Jerry so West much. magic. Yeah, exactly. All, all hey, Jerry West and magic Johnson, even Kareem. But the fact that Michael's doing it. And like you said, a normally private person, it just goes to show you that game really did recognize game. And he saw Kobe as an equal in a lot of different ways. And that is very difficult to accomplish. So different animal, same beast. That's 24 would say. Yeah. Couldn't say it better myself. So I, I hope all in all, Chaz, it is a positive uh, uh, time. Yes, it'll be emotional, but this, this has to be a positive moment for everybody to remember the good, everything that was good and everything that was memorable about this man's life and career. Absolutely. And I'd argue that, you know, it's guys like Kobe and LeBron that made Jordan you know, like this, this mythological figure, because those are the two guys that have modeled their game, not after him, but took so much from him and are the, are the ones that have come the closest to having uh, as big of an impact as Jordan has on the rest of the world, as well as the NBA and just the sports world in general, after Michael Jordan, there's been no other player or two players outside of Kobe and then LeBron that have had the impact that Michael Jordan has had two words, nobody global icons that transcend the game. You can't always say that. I call it the Holy Trinity. I call it the (laughs) Holy Trinity of NBA basketball. I mean, Bill Russell, no, you know, Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor. Like I think of, I look at those guys as more like forefathers, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Right. Like, like your forefathers, like you wouldn't have they blazed the trail. They built right. the foundation. Yes. I got but you. When we're talking, when we're talking like the Holy Trinity of basketball, Kobe, LeBron, Michael Jordan. It's a special three. No question about it. And like I said, their impact is, is beyond the United States. It's beyond the NBA it's global. Like them, hate them, whatever. Y'all got to respect what these guys do, though, on and off the court. And the symbol that they are for communities and for kids every from all different walks of life, they are symbols that you could look up to and say, maybe I could be that one day. If Maybe not in the basketball arena, but in another walk of life, if I 
continue to work hard, make sacrifices and continue to put down barriers. So yeah, it's a great point, Chaz. And I think we could, we could end it on that. note. what do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. So Mamba forever gone, but never forgotten. And as of this weekend, immortalized. So you know, I go back to, I, I got to end with this quote. There are heroes and they're legends. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Live on brother. Yep. From the great Sam, from the great movie, the Sandlot. All right. That about does it for us on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. Thank you once again for tuning in every single week. We always appreciate your support. Be sure to follow us on all streaming platforms Wherever you get your podcasts, uh, at Showtime Forum. You can also follow us on Instagram, at Showtime Forum. Twitter, remember, at Showtime underscore Forum. You can also follow us on Facebook. You can follow me, at Chris underscore Camelo on Twitter. See Camelo One on Instagram. Camelo's Corner by Chris Camelo on Facebook. Chaz, where, where, where can they follow you, my friend? You guys know where to get at me on Twitter, at Chaz Pearson, on Instagram, at Chaz P. Great stuff, man. So thanks again, Laker Nation. Season coming to a close, but in the words of Al Pacino, for another good movie quote, in the words of Al Pacino from Scent of a Woman, oh, I'm just getting warmed up. Ha! All right, take care, everybody. Peace. Peace.